Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. I'm back from vacation. Let's talk some post-free agency. So I am back from Greece, um, Tanner, um, maybe a little bit fitter, probably not though, because I've been back a week, so I've been eating a lot of pizza, uh, but uh, the last time I was in Greece was August of 2012, and that's when the Magic traded away Dwight Howard, so of course, all hell breaks loose when I leave again and come back. So my question to you, Spencer, is what the fuck happened these past two weeks? They heard you were gone, and... Uh... They wanted to make some moves. To, to spite me, they're like, yeah, we're going to piss the Papa Giorgio kid off and we're going to make a lot of interesting moves. And interesting moves they did make. Um, I'm going to, I guess, try and go in order. So I know people want me to talk about Biombo a whole bunch, but you know, obviously the Baca trade already happened at the draft. Uh, we covered that right before I left. Uh, but Abaka did come in for his press conference and... It's kind of we're seeing a trend of Rob Hennigan seems to be having a lot of fun with Frank Vogel. Um, it seems genuine to me. I don't know about you, but Rob Hennigan looks like a guy who's pretty loose. Which, considering his ass is on the hot on the hot seat this year, and that's probably the big influence for why a lot of these free agent moves happened. Um, he looks like he's having fun now. I don't know about you. Yeah, on the surface, it definitely looks a, a little bit lighter, more airy, maybe, uh, compared to press conferences with Scott Skiles. Um, hey, if, you're, if your back's against the wall, then you got to go down making your moves, right? So you feel like he's bringing in his guys that he's comfortable with, and he's going to make one last go at it. So... Before we get into the actual player stuff, the Magic on June 29th did uh, finalize their coaching staff officially. Even though we all knew uh, Chad Forcier or Forcier, I'm going to go with Forcier because it sounds like Fournier at the moment, but I will correct that once I figure out what what the pronunciation of his last name is. Even though he was in the draft room uh, back in, you know, a week prior to that pretty much. Um, he officially was announced as one of the Magic head co- assistant coaches, as was former NBA player and former Sacramento Kings assistant coach Carla, uh, Corliss Williamson. And one of Rick Adelman's sons, David Adelman, is uh, the other assistant coach. Uh, big news, though, is Jay Hernandez got retained, which to me was a slight miracle, but he's going to keep helping out with uh, player development. And he's a good coach. Everybody seemed to love him. He's, I mean, he's really big just on just dribbling drills and just getting guys, switching up drills and making and just making guys more versatile, it seems like, with the ball. Um, I don't know if you got any comments on any of those guys, but, I mean, it's an assistant coaching staff. It's all about, you know, Frank Vogel was talking about previously how he would have loved to bring some of his guys back from Indiana, but Nate McMillan kept all of them because right. Nate McMillan was one of his guys. So these are these are guys that... He hasn't really worked with in the past, and so it'll be interesting to see if that's for the better or not. Yeah, by all accounts, it's a it's a it's a uh, varied staff. Obviously, they have some experience. Uh, Corliss Williamson, great as a player, did the dirty work, went down and coached in Big college. Big nasty, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, 
got his career off on the right foot by really digging down central Arkansas, yeah, right? So, I, yeah, I didn't know that existed. So, I mean, good on him, and he got some NBA experience here over the past couple of years, and... You know, I think the Magic were pretty hell-bent to finding an actual player assistant coach. Right. You know, there was the rumor that they were trying to throw a bunch of money at Chauncey Billups. That didn't quite work out. But Corliss Williamson's got a long track record, and he he fits the whole tough mindset type thing that Frank Vogel is looking for. And hopefully uh, David Adelman has any personal demons behind him. Obviously, the you know, Rick Adelman, one of the greatest NBA coaches in terms of, you know, wins of all time. And uh, if uh, Frank Vogel looks like the Joe guy from Impractical Jokers, then David Adelman certainly looks like Murr, so we're halfway home. Oh, God. That's a hell of a reference, and I'm sure some people that love that show would actually enjoy that. So, anyway, let's go to the players, the transaction stuff. So, right before we even got into the whole July 1st player meeting stuff, the Magic actually made a trade. Uh, They traded... For the rights to Jody Meeks, basically, and they sent a future second round pick to the Pistons, and they got Jody Meeks for one year at about six and a half million dollars per year. Jody only played like about three games last season due to injury, but he brings the track record of three point shooting, and this was kind of the trend going into what the Magic were looking to do. They wanted more defense and they wanted three point shooters, and they wanted you know a guy who could potentially be a decent leader in the locker room or whatnot or a good presence in the locker room and for by all accounts Jody Meeks could could fill that role he's certainly not going to bring defense but he's a career 37 percent three-point shooter maybe it's one of those deals where uh he's played 63 games over the last couple of years so obviously his body is fresh as long as his you know his feet hold right, up pretty his much feet are totally healed he looked pretty good uh, on the short clips and, you know, seeing him around the practice gym since he's been here. And, obvi- you know, it's no secret that I'm a Stan Van Gundy stan, but he got killed for that deal that he signed in Detroit a couple seasons ago. And now one year at $6 million doesn't look so bad. Uh, really a no-risk move for the Magic. No. You bring him in. Yeah. If he hits 37 38% of his threes off the bench, then by all accounts we, we made it, you know, made a pretty pretty good deal yeah i mean it, it's really really low risk the magic pretty much gave nothing it's basically the annual shabazz napier trade basically uh we will get to shabazz a little later i guess but uh you know the magic after that summer league started uh you were there for a little bit of it juan Terubio, uh our boy who also covers some ucf stuff some miami hurricane stuff or whatnot he uh he he carried the weight right in. yeah he carried the summer league weight and I mean, from what you saw, because I, I was in Greece, I didn't get to watch any any summer league stuff. I got to see some highlights or whatnot. They don't have a feed of the summer league over there? No, even though Greece loves basketball very much, and they were showing a lot of FIBA basketball, um, including Greece choking in their uh, Olympic qualifying tournament while Mario, Mario Hazonia's Croatia team moved on to the Olympics. Um, no summer league feed. But uh, did anyone, I mean, particularly stand out to you, be it on the Orlando Magic blue team, the Orlando Magic white team? Obviously, the Magic second-round pick, Steven Zimmerman, was in there. He got signed after or during Summer League anyway. Um, Devin Marble was fighting for his life as far as uh, staying with the Magic goes and staying under contract goes, and it didn't quite work out. Um, Any any thoughts on a player, be it good good or bad? Yeah, so, again, it's no secret I'm a, I'm a cynical 
asshole of a curmudgeon. So, <laughs> so the, the summer league, any anytime someone plays well, I like to dismiss it, and anytime someone plays poorly, then I like to consider it a sign that they're not meant to be in the NBA. I was a little bit pleasantly surprised with the footwork of Steven Zimmerman. Clearly, he's not, as we talked about before, he's certainly not physical enough to make an impact in the NBA this season. He, he had a lot of great opportunities to, you know, create an open look for himself and yeah. then was not able to finish, which I guess is probably par for the course for a rookie still coming into his body. Um, wing players, you know, uh, obviously Dentman hit the hit the championship winning shot. Oh, Dentman, yeah, and Justin Dentman, which I saw, I I saw that shot. Apparently, he shoots the ball like that. So, right, um, he'd been practicing that shot, but uh, very happy to see Orlando White uh, claim the summer league championship with, of course, not me there. So, so I would say to answer your question, the the one player that stuck out to me and didn't do anything special, that's for sure. But uh, Orinze Onowaku, I think he deserves another shot in the league. Um, Just a a really solid, capable uh, break glass in case of emergency big. And I wouldn't mind seeing him added to the roster if we need a 15, you know, 14th, 15th player. Yeah, I think that guy's 28 years old, but he he looked pretty good from what I heard and what I and what I saw and what you described to me. Um, I heard Patricio Garino did pretty well. He's playing for the Argentinian national team in the Olympics, so more people will get a look at him. But, um, yeah, it's it seemed like Zimmerman showed that there might be potential there. I mean, look, he's a young guy. He's not even in his 20s yet. So I think a year in Erie will do him well. I mean, Bill Peterson can coach the hell out of some people and, you know, put him in a good weight weightlifting program and just weight training program, and we'll, we'll see in a year. Yeah. But uh, I would be – surprised if he he gets meaningful magic minutes this season um so now we get to july 7th when the uh bismack biongo signing became official so obviously through all the chaos of twitter during the week before the 7th um you know all the meetings happened uh as far as you know the magic we're meeting with so and so here and there and rob hennigan and Frank Vogel and apparently Alfred uh, Payton and Aaron Gordon were helping doing some recruiting as well. But uh, when it came time to the, it being the first day to actually sign people, Bismack Biombo was the first announced signing. Um, I thought the man was going to get paid a lot by a team. I had no, no idea, no guess that the Magic were going to be that team. When no. I heard about it, you know that the Magic were going to sign him. I, I was stunned. Um, I'm. You know, I don't know if it was a good stunned or a bad stunned. I was just stunned. But, um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on Biombo? Yeah, I think at face value, uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense when they just traded for Serge Ibaka. Um, just looking at it, you know, on its own merits, especially when you consider that Vucevic is supposed to be a cornerstone of the franchise. Certainly, uh, when you look at, you know, injury and fatigue and all of those things, it makes sense that you would want to have two rim protectors. Obviously, they in every uh, press conference and public comment, they're touting the fact that there's always going to be a rim protector on the floor. But Biombo is not going to give you a lot of offense outside of three feet, you know, away from away from the basket. So to me. I feel like we we needed a, a backup center and not somebody that would come in and be a potential starting center candidate. 
and that is going to maybe open up a can of worms in terms of, you know, the the locker room dynamics moving forward. What's your take on that? Um, yeah, it, I like Biombo. I I thought that 4 years, I think he's getting $17 million per season is actually lower than I thought he was going to get. I thought he was going to get 20 per year from somebody. And the fact that the Magic got him at that number, I'm actually pretty comfortable with because he's, he's 23 years old, 24 going and on it. And certainly room to improve. Yeah, a lot of, especially offensively. But, I mean, you're not bringing him in for offense. They, I mean, the Magic preached toughness, and they got Ibaka, and now they have Biombo. And I can argue, and we'll talk about it on another podcast, but I can argue that the Magic have, if not the best front court in the East, one of the best front courts in the East. Yeah, And so... I still don't think this changes anything as far as Vucevic being a cornerstone starting center at the moment for the team. A lot of people were like, oh, when's Vooch getting trade? When's Vooch getting trade? And I, I, I don't see it happening, and not, not at least this year. I mean, they're, they're going to they're gonna try and make this, the, you know, that trio of bigs work, especially now that Deadman and Jason Smith are out the door and Andrew Nicholson are all out the door. Two of them ending up with the Wizards, and uh, and Deadman ending up with the Spurs. I, what w- w- real quick aside? What the hell are the Wizards doing with their front court now? They got Gortat, Mahinmi that they paid a lot of money to, yeah. and Smith, and Nicholson, and probably going to bring Drew Gooden back at the end of it. What what's going on over there? I have no idea, and I. I'm glad that they doesn't seem like that they know what they're doing. I kind of feel bad for Andrew that he signs with a team that then signs Jason Smith to take his minutes again right after. Although I am happy Nicholson did get a decent amount of money. Um, I thought Jason Smith was going to get a little bit more money than he did, and I thought that Nicholson got a pretty decent paycheck from what he from what he signed. Um, You know the Magic, other Magic players that are gone. Brandon Jennings, I think, signed a one year deal with the Knicks. Good riddance. Right. Good luck to him, but yeah. good riddance. Um, Had some parting shots on Twitter, some kind of subtext in there. Yeah, can we talk about how on Twitter he's literally like the worst Twitter account to follow as far as just I, I, if he wasn't on the magic, I wouldn't be following him. I'm not think. a good fake media member because I didn't <laughs> I didn't even follow him when he was here. And you really didn't miss much. Yeah. His tweeting was, was god-awful. I, I, if, I don't know too many NBA players that have a worse Twitter feed than him. The only ones that are worse are the ones that only tweet like from their Instagram account. And so you just see the Instagram links on there. But anyway, I digress. Move yep. on. Um, Baz Napier is now a Portland Trailblazer. Uh, the Magic traded him for pretty much nothing. Uh, and Which is about what he's worth. And which is what yeah, he pretty much brought to the table was... <laughs> was nothing and i mean look i i I wish shabazz best of luck but it's not looking good for him as far as a a long nba career goes i think Um, he had one game where he made a cut he made a string of shots in the fourth quarter early in the season i think that was the laker game that vooch won where he uh vooch had that tough game winner over roy herber but napier yeah had a huge role in that game i think no consistency and he just doesn't have any of the other intangibles that you know yeah and then the only other Magic guy that has gone via free agency or during the free agency period is Devin Marble, who the Magic made a trade. They got C.J. Wilcox, and, you know, I, I, we, we don't have to touch on it too much. But I wish Devin best of luck, but he was brought in to be kind of a 3 and D type of guy. He brought the D yeah. really well. He just could not hit shots. And maybe he'll, you know, now that the Clippers have waived him, I don't know where he's going to end up. Maybe he could use a, good, a year or two in Europe. I don't know. But 
Um, I, I think he can definitely make a living being a professional basketball player. I just don't. He's, he's, I just don't know if he can bring much to an NBA team at the moment. I think that's fair to say, at the moment. Um, and CJ Wilcox, I've I've been wanting the Magic to get him since about four months into his rookie season with the Clippers. You know, he just finished his second season with the Clippers. He played about as much as Devin Marble did, but the difference was. Wilcox can actually made, shoot three pointers. Yeah. yeah, you know he's he's I think a career thirty eight percent three point shooter right now, which is right up the alley for what you want from a guy at the very end of the bench, a guy who, if need be, if injuries come up or, or foul trouble comes or whatever, you can throw him out on the court and he'll give you a good five ten minutes of just spreading the floor. Yeah, so. and there's nothing wrong with taking a flyer on him. Maybe he continues his development over the course of this season. And then, as Meek's contract ends at the, you know, in the summer, you can make a determination on whether you want to invest in Wilcox or not. And, and we'll see if they pick up his team option right. for 2017, 2018. You know, he's making like one point two million this season, which is going to be, I think, a little less than three hundred thousand uh, than what Devin was making. Devin was making like nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars for the season. You know, the Magic got rid of him before that money got guaranteed, or the Clippers got rid of him before that Magic got uh, that money got guaranteed. Um, you know, if the Magic choose to pick up that option for Wilcox, I think it's going to be like 2.1 or 2.3 million, somewhere around there. So, um, very low risk situation yep. on a guy who, even though he's 25 years old, he's he doesn't have a lot of miles on him right now. Right. So, um, going back now to the actual big big stuff, going back to Biombo again. Um, I don't know about you, but from what I saw on Twitter, a lot of the national media didn't really one get why the magic did this two they didn't respect what the magic were doing and i mean you're you you were in the state so you you have a better feel for what the reaction was but i think the magic have a heck of a a, a trio of big men right now and the confusion from from other people just kind of perplexes me yeah the national media has definitely taken a gigantic dump on the magic off season and uh you know i can see their point, if you're looking at it from the outside, where you go, okay, the Magic went into full rebuild, they had a bunch of young talent, mm-hmm. and they want all of that young talent to succeed and turn into good basketball players. And, you know, frankly, it's not going to happen, right? So You can't keep the, them all. It's just yeah, not going to happen. And eventually, if they all do turn out to be good, you're not going to be able to afford to keep them all anyway. Yeah. So the Magic made a determination last, uh, you know, during the season last year yeah. to get rid of Tobias Harris. I think it was an addition by subtraction. Part of it, I think, too, was to appease Scott Skiles, um, as far as especially what they brought back, veteran help-wise. But, you know, as I've reported, as, you know, our sources have reported, you know, the Magic from day one that when they were available to actually get rid of Tobias Harris's right. contract last December, they were shopping him. They were treating him as an asset and not as a uh, key player, I Be- think. Because because management and maybe the coaching staff had, had the feeling that he just was not meshing with the players right. as, as, as they needed to. And the on-the-court product kind of proved that, even though, again, at the end of December of last season, the Magic were 19-13. and 13, not much of that was because of Tobias Harris. I'm right. sorry. So, you know, I guess part of why people are taking a giant dump on the Magic is because of, you know, the Magic giving Jeff Green $15 million. Right. But the caveat to that is it's only for one year. Right. You know, if the Magic were going to sign him in a multi-year deal, maybe he would have got what 
point guard DJ Augustine got from the Magic at like seven, seven and a half, eight million per season for four years, which, you know, Augustine, to his credit and good on him, he gets to have a long, long contract now in his back pocket. I think I heard he was like a free agent for the past three or maybe even the past four off seasons he was a free agent. So good on him for getting that secure contract. Yeah, stability's good for him. Let's, I'd like to touch on Jeff Green because I think that's the most important, uh, you know, uh, it's the touchiest signing of the of the offseason. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, I'm still in kind of, you know, WTF mode as right. far as, as that goes. But based off the, the contract, I'm okay with it because, again, you can walk, let him walk within a few months, basically. So Jeff Green, at this point, it's fair to say he's never going to be an all-star or a superstar player in the NBA. No. He's shown flashes of shooting. He's shown flashes of athleticism. He's shown flashes of being, uh, you know, a key cog on the defensive end. All of the teams that he's gone to before, they've tried to bring him in as the missing piece to get them over the hump as as championship contenders, right? right? So you try plug him in in Boston, plug him in in Oklahoma City, plug him in in, in LA uh, as the Clippers, right? He's going to be a piece that helps get, get us over the playoff hump. And that's something he's certainly capable of doing. And, uh, you know, they're not certainly not the same player and hopefully not the same level of impact. But I would liken it to the Jason Smith signing last offseason that, you know, you're going to get some shots. You know, you're going to get a couple of highlight reel dunks. You know, you're going to get a couple of like, where the fuck did that come from performances? Yeah. But you're not expecting consistency from him. And that's fine for what we're looking for. And he's going to come off the bench anyway behind Aaron Gordon. Maybe he'll give you 25, 30 minutes a night coming off the bench. And that's fine. Yeah. And it's a one-year one year deal. So he has incentive to bring it every night to get a secure contract somewhere else next year. Yeah, if, if there's one thing I can trust Jeff Green to do is I can trust him getting 10 or more points a night. Right. That's, that's something that not even Jason. Jason Smith couldn't do that. Jason Smith could bring like 8, right. 6 or whatnot. Jeff Green... Even though his percentages aren't fantastic, they're not bad. Um, they're very respectable for what you want off the bench. And look, he's going to be kind of that stable anchor for for the second unit as far as scoring goes, in case some type of lulls occur, whether you know they can't get the scoring they want from their point from their point guard position, or Hazonia hasn't quite developed the way they were hoping he'd develop. You know, Jeff Green's there to bring some stability, and you know, yeah, he got paid. But everybody got yeah, paid. Every, I mean, everybody got paid. Yeah. You know, the only people that haven't gotten paid are just the ones that are scraps, basically, at this point, where they're going to get a couple million here and there, basically. But um, I'm, I'm coming around to the Jeff Green acquisition. I'll be honest, I wasn't thrilled about it initially. But for what you said, for what he, he's, he needs to do, for what his role will be, and we'll talk more about, I guess, rotations right. or the depth chart here in a little bit, but... I think that Jeff Green can work out. And and the other thing, too, is we've made a long-term commitment to Biombo. Presumably, we're going to make a long-term commitment to Ibaka. Presumably. Right. But that's not a guarantee. Right. So not I, a guarantee. And Biombo is kind of kind of the the safety net for that, too, as that's, well. That's true as well. But my, my point is to bring it back mm. to the one-year deal that Jeff Green signed. Yeah. He's a placeholder for the eventual ascension and improvement of Aaron Gordon. So bring him in for one year, yeah. 
Yeah, he's not going to stunt Gordon's development. I, I can't imagine that they would do that. No, Aaron's still going to get 30 minutes a game. But you bring him in as a safeguard, as Aaron Gordon assumes more responsibility. We figure out how, you know, Vogel wants to run the offense. He talked about, you know, doing a little more playmaking from the wing. Bring him in for a year, help that transition into a larger role. And then Jeff Green has served his purpose, and Aaron Gordon is now your starting small forward and doesn't need to look over his shoulder going into 17-18. And, I mean, look, if for some reason Aaron Gordon like picks up injuries or he, he has a setback, now you have the cap space from what Jeff Green is, is going to give you, and you can go get a much more qualified small forward, if you want, in free agency in right. 2017 because the Magic with just Green – and Jody Meeks alone are going to clear $21.5 million right there. Um, and so, you know, the Magic, after all of these signings that they have, they have 13 players on the roster currently right. at the moment. But so, still enormous flexibility moving forward. Yeah, there's still enormous flexibility moving forward. You know, yeah. the Magic have, I, I want to say, about are about $4 million over the, ca- the salary cap right now. So, again, ownership proving that they're willing to pay you know, if it it's worth it. And it looks like the Magic did a pretty solid job with what they've done um, as far as that goes. I think this is a playoff team at the moment. We certainly haven't had the kind of depth that we've had, you know, on this roster in quite some time. Since and like even, 2011, 20, 2010 maybe. Even our point guard rotation, if you talk about uh, Alfred Payton, DJ Augustine, Augustine now. and C.J. Watson, uh, that if, if C.J. Watson's your third point guard, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, you're in really damn good shape. And, I mean, look, this is going to be the final fully guaranteed season for C.J. Watson, so he's got a lot to prove. He's got history with Frank Vogel as far as he played in Indiana for him, and it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. If he is healthy, he's going to have to battle Augustine for point guard minutes. He's going to have to you know, battle Hazonia and Meeks for shooting guard minutes if he wants it. And... I think it's a very deep backcourt, I feel like. And, I mean, look, I'll pull up the my what I think will be the depth chart. Um, I still think Vucevic will be the starting center. He has to be the starting center on day one because for game one, Biombo suspended because right. of the flagrant foul from the playoffs. So, you know, for anyone saying, oh, Biombo's starting game yeah. one, well, he can't. You know, it's going to be Vuce. But Vuce is going to be at center. Abaka is going to definitely be at the power forward position he, um there could be a debate on who starts at small forward it seems like it's aaron gordon's job to lose right now but if he does lose it jeff green can slide in right there um i think aaron will be fine though shooting guard fournier who's the last guy i haven't mentioned yet because the magic saved fournier for last pretty much to resign so that they could go over the salary cap because they have his bird rights but fournier is going to be the starting shooting guard um, I'm still very, very pleased that the Magic were able to get him at the price that they re-signed him at because Fournier signing for about $17 million per season when it could have been $21, $22 million per season. Left a lot on the table, and uh, I think that says a really positive thing about the relationship that he has with you know, the ownership and the front office and the belief that the organization is moving in the, you know, in the right direction, too. And, I mean, you know, I, I tweeted it out, you know, I can't remember how long ago it was, but Vucevic goes from the highest salaried player at about 11 and a half or like $12 million per season to the fifth highest salary behind right. uh, Biombo, Fournier, uh, Jeff Green, and um, 
Oh God, what was the fourth one that I missed? Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge Ibaka, yeah, Serge yeah. Ibaka. So poor, poor timing for poor Vooch. But I mean, I mean, look, I it sucks that they're not yeah, Vooch. That, you know, it's it may suck that you're not getting you know double the amount of money that you probably could be getting. But at the same time, Vooch is a pretty humble guy. He's getting over ten million per season. Yeah. So I you mean, think he's managing this okay? Is what you're saying? I mean, he, he's he, not hurting for money. I mean, he's got his house in Iowa, so he's good. <laughs> You know. Uh, anyway, and then for point guard, I, I there's no doubt that Alfred Payton's going to be the starting point guard. Um, again, injuries would have to come into play for that. Um, I mean, the depth chart becomes intriguing a little bit after that because now you have, you know, with your center and your power forward position, you can have Biombo slide into both. Right. You can have Aaron Gordon slide up into the backup power forward position. Um, you know, Jeff Green is going to be the backup small forward most likely, but. Then you can have, you know, Hazonia and Jody Meeks can each cover some shooting guard small forward duties. If you have injuries there, C.J. Wilcox Fournier can cover certainly some of that. can slide to the three at times, too. Yeah, I think Fournier, though, is a better two. I agree. Um, you know, even though he's 6'7", he's yeah. it's just the way he is built as far as just he's, he's not a really muscular guy. He's not a weakling or anything. He's just not a really muscular guy. But his speed and his height, is it's best fit, I think, at the two spot. Yeah certainly has deceptive length so we we talk about the depth chart and i'm gonna i'm gonna get to my question in a roundabout way but clearly the nba has changed its focus from you know uh size to versatility right yeah so a lot of teams talk about they want to they want to build their roster to play in multiple ways so if you look at the depth chart for the magic certainly you can see you know, like a Twin Towers lineup. You can see a really athletic small lineup. You could, I mean, theoretically, if you wanted to go super small and you wouldn't because you just spent $80 million, you but, could play yeah. Aaron Gordon at the five and go and run a super small lineup out there. Again, not that you would. Yeah. But you t- think about all the different kind of combinations and permutations the Magic can run out there. You look at a closing, uh, you know, like a crunch time lineup where you go offense, defense, and have... Alfred Payton, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon or Jeff Green, both great defenders, Ibaka and Biombo. when you need one stop, then you call timeout and you plug in your offensive five to go back down and get a bucket. So of all the things that we can do, certainly have never had depth like this, have never had a backup point guard as talented as DJ Augustine, maybe since Ray for Alston, you know, and even then he, he was, he was he my was NBA starter. Finals game. He was right. a starter so, in the finals in 09. Right. But, I mean, this is definitely by so, far the most depth this team has for, since Hennigan. For this team in the 2016-2017 season, mm-hmm. do they make the playoffs? Oh, absolutely! I and look, I just coming for me. I mean, right. I'm, I'm Mr. Optimistic. Right. I got like the, the the blue colored magic glasses. You know, it's but I think that enough. I don't see how they don't make the playoffs. I, something really bad would have to happen if they don't make the playoffs. I think Hennigan's gone. Like, there's no, there's He's no way. Be. He, I mean, his ass is on the line. But I think that they're in such a good position that not only are they going to make the playoffs, but we could be talking about sneaking into home court advantage, possibly like a four seed. I don't want to go above that because I want to keep it realistic. I mean, they they were a 35 win team last season, but it's definitely possible now that with all these acquisitions that they win at least 10 more games. I think 45 wins is a pretty good number right now from my position. And, I don't know. And really too, again, it's a it's a, you know, whole roster changeover from last season. But if you look at the team last season that won 35 games, 
what minimum five of those games that they just let slip away on on one possession. You know, like, minimum five. I, I think that I mean, I we can almost the, we can almost say like eight. Obviously, the Oklahoma City game in triple overtime and a couple of really terrible losses to the Hornets where they just gagged down the stretch. But with the with the veterans that we brought in alone. You talk about, are you kidding me? Like, Serge Ibaka's not going to get a defensive rebound that we need down the stretch to seal a game. I don't buy that. So even if we just pick up those five games, that pushes us to 500. Now you talk about internal improvement and a better talent fit for what we're trying to accomplish. I You know, I think 45 wins is right there for the taking. Yeah, and then, look, chemistry plays a big role. But, right. I mean, they uh, – look, the Magic were saying, oh, we, you know, we need tough guys, we need tough guys. But a lot of the guys they brought in are pretty good guys. Like, right. no one's, like, a, a complete asshole, I don't think, that they brought in. Um, tough team first tough guys. Tough team first guys. Yeah. And that's, you know, a big reason why the Magic collapsed last season is you saw situations, it seemed like, where maybe – there could have there there was could have been a little bit more unselfishness. Maybe guys just weren't buying into. I mean, we saw the defense starting to crumble in early December because guys were just thinking about themselves. In some ways, you know, maybe they just didn't want to commit together as far as defense went. And you know, we saw what happened in January and February. The the, the season went to shit. Yeah. So, um, I you know, but I mean, they're getting some really good guys. I mean, you look at Abaka and Biombo from where they started in their lives. Both guys from the Congo, they each speak like five languages. Um, both guys were discovered in Spain, and just to get to Spain alone, it was a crazy path for them. And so, I mean, there's they're good guys, but they're 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 demons on the basketball court. Right. That's what you want. You want hell ra- hell raisers on the court. And I feel like now this team's got an attitude, and I. I'm very excited for them. Hard not to root for those kind of guys and to be happy for what they've accomplished. And the other thing, too, I mean, who who knows how much credit to really give to Frank Vogel? We Who can say when you're not in there day in and day out? But Vucevic has the same body type of Roy Hibbert. I mean, he's more mobile than Roy, but I mean, Roy has more, had more height. You know, yeah. But who's to say that the verticality and the you know the defensive positioning can't be coached up and improved to make him serviceable? Absolutely. And if he's a if he doesn't have to be a plus defender, but as long as he's not bending over backwards and and getting you know destroyed on every possession, the type of offensive skill and talent that he has, that's a pretty formidable front court. Yeah, and. Again, I, part of the reason why you know you, the national media is just kind of ignoring us, or they're just ha- or just hating on what we do, you know, part of that's again they don't know a lot of this team. They don't know the pieces. They don't know what the last four years have been like. And so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Vogel puts it all together based off Frank Vogel's track record in Indiana. He's got a really good team now to work with. So, if you give him the talent. I think that you know again playoffs seems to be I don't want to see a given because you got you got to battle your ass off the east is going is this season the east will probably be the best it's been in a decade maybe and it was bunched up last year and I think and, it's going to be even more tightly congested this season I mean season some too. teams are going to drop you know Miami's dropping Toronto's dropping a little bit I think Atlanta's dropping um you know uh, there, there's a couple of teams that might jump up obviously right. But, I mean, I think the Magic are definitely at least the top eight team in the East. If they don't make it, it'll either be because a ton of injuries occurred or something just disastrous happened as far as chemistry goes and 
Rob Hennigan's looking for a new job. Um, so probably one of the biggest criticisms now with this Magic team is crunch time situations like offense or who's the go-to scorer now on this team. I don't really see an issue right now. I think you're still throwing the ball in to Vooch down low or you know within 18 feet. And down the stretch, he proved that I thought last season, I think Evan Fournier is your clutch go-to guy down the stretch. Yeah, when you pay him $85 million, you're, <laughs> that's a sign of the belief that you have in him. And you have to give him the ball, quite frankly. And like you said, it's not certainly he didn't. He didn't drop the ball last season in those moments. He did a lot better than Victor Oladipo and Tobias Harris did. Right. So let's just put it that way. But it, you're right. In terms of a go-to score, we, we, don't, we don't have one, and that's fair to say. We don't have a go-to score. You know who else doesn't have a go-to score? With 20 other NBA teams, right? So yeah. you, do it, you do it by committee, and hopefully you know, you're, you're getting out in transition and scoring easier that way, right? You're doing it defense first, and then you're getting out and running. But I will say, I think... Evan Fournier will take uh, another step in terms of playmaking. I think Aaron Gordon will take on a bigger burden in terms of playmaking yeah. and looking to score. Yeah, and I think you look for those internal improvements to you know it's it's got to it's going to have to be a collective effort. And there's certainly no reason that you can't drive and kick for a Serge Ibaka or. Nikola Vucevic, 15-footer, to win a couple of games either. Yeah, and again, I I think in clutch situations, I really am confident. Like, Vuce had a couple game winners last season. Fournier had at least one last season and a couple that, you know, should have been game winners that weren't game winners because defense, you know, fucked up at right. the end. And so... And to, and to my point just a minute ago, think about the closing defensive five, whatever five lengthy names you want, you know, that you want to put together and assemble... How many games are we going to win in crunch time on that side of the floor? Just you know, completely snuffing out and smothering another team's opportunity. It could be ten games. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, the Magic are going to win fifty games. No, I will right. take forty-five. Yeah. I will be quite happy. But they're capable of being a top four team. So I will say, sadly, as an aside, the last time that I predicted in the summer after a flurry of moves that the Magic would win fifty games was. 2003 2004 i was really big on uh, jawan howard see i wasn't i was <laughs> i wasn't but we became friends because jawan howard was awful so that's okay so, yeah, i thought it was 1998 but it wasn't <laughs> oh man oh gosh don't, don't bring up jawan howard to me now okay but uh yeah, my apologies <laughs> but oh, I, I definitely think this roster is better than the 2003 2004 team certainly uh Teron, <laughs> better be. Jesus certainly Teron Lou won't be logging any minutes for us this oh, season oh good lord yeah. okay um so yeah you got any other final thoughts on this on this offseason right now uh, as far as like the magic again they have 13 players on the roster they have a little bit of exception money so they can go get a Tyler Hansbrough or something no um they can, but they won't, right? Tell uh, me they won't. I mean, hey, he, he played in Indiana. I'm just saying. I mean, He did something in Indiana. I, I, look, I mean, he's, he, he's cheap. The Magic right. could use a third power forward. I mean, he's a prick on the court. I mean, he could, <laughs> you could yeah. you know, we talked about how much. I mean, this is coming from me. I despise right. the man on the court. Yeah. But you, sometimes you just need that to change a game. So You need a little psycho. And just real quick, I mean, just going back real quick on the go-to score thing, and yeah. Frank Vogel said it in, in, a, in one or two of the press conferences, when he took that Indiana job initially, Paul George was not Paul George. Right. He said that 
we're going to pretty much go offense by committee, and whoever kind of emerges, emerges, and Paul George ended up emerging. I'm not saying Evan Fournier is going to become Paul George or somebody else, you know, Aaron Gordon will become Paul George, but it's okay not to have a go-to score. You you leave yourself a lot of flexibility, and a, and you don't have a big ego to deal with right. either at the same time. And the other thing to consider, too, in very limited opportunities last season, I think we can agree that Mario Hazonia showed the ballsy clutch gene as well. Yeah, so, you he's know, got it's it. Another year of experience, and if you need a three, you run him off a couple of screens and see what happens. I mean, there's options on the roster to get buckets. Um, so that'll do it for this episode of the uh, Penny and Pops podcast. Welcome we do, back. <laughs> I, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy that we got so many Twitter comments from followers asking us when we would be back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy that um, you know Orlando and the world is, is kind of embracing us. I, I, I look at the SoundCloud statistics and the data. We have a nice little uh, worldwide following. So I'm quite pleased that we can, we can, co- we can cover so much distance from, from these airwaves. So, yeah, thanks to all of you. So you can follow uh, MagicBasketballOnline.com's uh, site-only story feed uh, on Twitter, which is at MagicMBO. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's going to be at Spencer Strode. Uh, no C, just S's right. in that. And uh, you can follow me, uh, Adam Pops, Papa Giorgio, at um, Papa Giorgio MBO. Again, it, just try and pretend to spell yeah, it out. Start and you'll working, kinda and hopefully it'll pop up. Get to Papa, and I think you'll you'll find me Might after that. Safe. So, uh, again, please you know listen and subscribe. You know, we appreciate you guys listening to us and subscribing to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Again, if there's some type of other platform, you know, including SoundCloud, of course, where we where we you know, host everything. But if there's another platform that you want to hear us out at, feel free to reach out at us, and we'll we'll try and accommodate you. But uh, that'll do it, and uh, you will hear again from us here in a week. So uh, hopefully, not too much other chaotic stuff happens until later. Or maybe we should hope for chaos. I don't know. Yeah, but, better show. But until then, uh, I'm happy to be back. I feel rusty as hell, but uh, we will uh, we will see you on the other side.